I, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm so encouraged and, and blessed over this message series is because it's been taking me through my own personal journey in my own life, and I can resonate with uh, walking from darkness to light and, and truly understanding what it's like to be in a dark moment and in a dark place of, of your life. Many of us know that, and we've experienced it. I, I have to say, you know, people talk about that was the darkest place of my life, and, and the pain and the suffering from it was was just so traumatic. And today I want to talk about blessings in the darkness, but when I say that, I just want to say that this morning as we take our questions and we turn them into exclamation points, many of us say, why? Why this? Why me? Why us? Why the family? Why the church? Why my workplace? Why did I have to go through what I went through? And many of us have questions, and yet we realize that uh, God is in control, and he still knows exactly what you're going through, and he cares for you. And then the end result is this, that he takes that question mark, that why and that how and that where, and it becomes, this is why. So this morning, if you would, please turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 23, Psalms 23, Psalms 23, one of my favorite passages of the Bible. Many of us know the Lord's Prayer, and, and many of us hear this text, and we refer to it. Last week, as I'm going through this series, From Darkness to Light. So this morning, let's have a new perspective. The dark places are opportunities to grow. You're not in a dark place by accident. If God weren't going to use it for your good, he would have never have allowed it in your life. You may not understand it. It may not make sense. But you see, God knows what he's doing. Maybe you've recently suffered a job loss, maybe some financial hardship, a sickness, a death. May I encourage you to not get stuck in the dark valley. And to remember what we're about to read in Psalms 23, that you have to go through the dark valley to get to the table. Don't lose your passion and have a sour attitude that says, I don't understand why this happened. After all these years, they laid me off. How could I get this bad medical report? Why did this individual or this person break my heart? You're always trying to figure out why. You're going to get stuck and stay in that valley. Psalms 23 verse 1 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runs over. If you have a pen or maybe a highlighter, if you have an iPad, an iPod, whatever you got, just highlight. I really want you to see this this text in verse 5 where it says, In the presence of mine enemies, you anoint my head. So circle or anoint with oil, then put my cup runs over. Highlight it, underline it, because I want you to see just the, the correlation this morning. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy 
shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't, isn't Psalm 23 just so comforting? It just adds like this sense of calmness and of peace to no matter what trial or tribulation you're going through, God knows that. And I love what the psalmist David had to say because he knew too the suffering and the pain of losing a child, of losing a loved one. And yet, he still said, I know that when I go through this valley, that my cup's going to run over. That he's preparing a table before me. In the presence of all those that may not like me, God still loves me and he cares for me. Think about this for a moment. An exclamation point is simply a question mark straightened out. If you want God to turn your question marks, the things you don't understand, into exclamation points, you have to do what? You have to trust God. In those dark places where it isn't fair, instead of wondering why something happened, dare to say this, God, I know you're still on the throne. I may not understand this valley I'm in, but I know that on the other side is my exclamation point. The table is already prepared. The right people are waiting. A fresh anointing is coming with, incre- with increase, promotion, and a new level. A new opportunity. If you go through dark places like that, you'll see that question mark turned into an exclamation point. God will amaze you with his goodness because he loves you and he cares for you. You see, that's what happened to us. That's what happened to me. I'll never forget, and I'm just going to go back and just tell you a little bit of part of my... Last week, I I'd never spoke anything about ministry or uh, how it affected me, but I will tell you this, that this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk more on a spiritual level of ministry for me. Many of you know this story when we started the church in 2005 as, you know, a couple families came to me and says, what do you think about me becoming, or you becoming our pastor? I said, you're out of your ever-loving mind. That cannot happen. How can this take place? I mean, I, where are we going to meet? What are we going to do? Do we even have the finances, the funds? Do you, people even want to hear me talk? I mean, I don't want to hear myself talk. Have you guys ever listened to yourself? You record something and then you go back to listen to it. You just hurry up and you shut it off because you can't even stand to hear yourself talk. Well, I did that years ago because when we were acting, when I was in high school, you always had to go back and listen to the in, in fluctuation of your voice and all that kind of stuff on the tape recorder. I know we don't have that today because we have iPhones and Samsungs and Androids and all that other fun stuff that you just hit a button and it records for hours. But, you know, back then I would listen to it and go, I don't want to listen to myself. Can I pastor people? Can I really be all that they expect from me? And I'll, I'll never forget that, that in those moments, you know, even though I had left a church and I felt like, wow, the, the level of rejection and the feeling that I had and all that I went through, I thought to myself, I don't know that I can go through this. I don't ever want to go through this again. And if I start pastoring people, they're going to do it to me again. They're going to hurt me. They're going to disappoint me. And, and I'm going to disappoint them. And I'm not going to be all those things that I was supposed to measure up to. And so I, I said to myself, how can I pastor a group of people? And so we started on 4th Street with 27 people. 
Then we went to uh, the, court, the YMCA, and I'll never forget going to the YMCA. And, you know, all along I'm saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And God says, you can, 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 you can. And right when you think, well, I can't do this job and I can't do this, this family outreach, I can't do this, I can't sing, I can't sing in the praise team, I can't work in the church, know this, that God is always saying, you can. So in your own inadequacies, God wants to make you adequate. But I think, and I realize that it's sometimes in those dark places that God starts to show himself real. And I will tell you, perspective of ministry for me has not been easy. I can go all the way back to when I was 15 years of age. And it was a difficult time for me. Just, just the ridicule, and, and I'm not going to go back to that, but, but just some of the positions that, that and the stress and, the, and all the stuff they put on you in the ministry. And I just wanted to sit down and forget about it. But I realized that God started to reveal himself in the midst of my dark moments in my life. So we go to the YMCA. We go there as soon as I walk in, and I'm going to make a long story short, but as soon as I walk in, the lady says to me, Pastor Todd, we're so blessed to see you here. We just had a church leave last week, and your church can come in here this week. This is an answer to prayer. This is what we prayed for, Adam and I, in our morning meeting. We were able to minister there. We were in that building for uh, probably almost six months. I said, but how can this work? So we get in there. We're in the jazzercise section. And so when you're singing, you can look in the mirrors and, you know, see if your hair looks good and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, then we left the jazzercise section. We went into the, to the gymnasium, had to pull these big, huge tarps across the floor. And then all of a sudden, we left there. And I'll never forget, I found out about the Court Cultural Center on Grant Street. We were paying 800 and some dollars. And remember, we were only a church of 20 to 40 people. And, you know, it was taking every bit of our tithes and offerings just to be able to, to meet budget. But God provided. You see, God provides when you're in the center of his will. So I ended up going, okay, well, you know what? I know that even though people in the midst of the six months, listen, in the midst of the six months, this is what we heard. Your church will never make it. You'll never make it. This church will never make it. You won't make it. This church will never make it. You won't make it. Just go ahead and close up the doors now. Well, little did they realize that in the midst of all of this, you can't, you can't, you can't. We kept saying we can, we can, we can. Look at somebody next to you and say, you can do it. Go ahead. You can do it. How many of us here say we can't, we can't, we can't, I can't, you can't. I mean, there's more can'ts than there are cans. But I know that with Christ we can do all things that gives us the strength. And so the Core Cultural Center, when I went in, talked to Janet, sat down with her, and she says, um, you know what, we've never opened up this building on Sunday. It'll never, 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 never work. And all I kept hearing was never, you can't, you can't. So I started believing to myself, I can't do this. And I said, no, I can do it. I can do all things. And so as we're there, I looked at her and I said, and I was preaching on a series of messages called Favor. And many of you might remember that. And, uh, but what was so cool was that even in the midst of that, she says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this, even though I don't believe you'll be able to meet in here on Sundays. And I said, well, just go to the director of Kaga Falls and ask him a favor from us. And word it like this. Well, the pastor came to me and he asks a favor of you. 
Now, can we work through that right now? Let's, let's repeat it. I, I, this is how I'm talking to this lady because she's looking at me like, I've been here for 23 years and this will never take place. That's all right because remember, with God, all things are possible. And so all of a sudden, we then took the cans and made them cans. She went to the, the city director, and I'll, I'll cut out a piece and portions of some of this for sake of time. But she came back. She calls me on Monday morning. It says, I got to tell you something. This has never happened in the history of our time. I go, what? Did he say we can move? She goes, yeah, he did say you guys can come in. And here's the crazy part. For like 40 some dollars, he said, would you give that church and those people what they're looking for? And I remembered right then that, whoa, wait a minute. I remember people saying, you'll never make it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah, I went to that meeting and I asked something of this lady when she said there's nobody ever been here on Sundays. We have to have somebody unlock the building. And better yet, she goes, something else i got to tell you. The director said, go ahead and set up for these people too. We had to carry this big, huge Lord's Supper table that I used to have that was up here. and It's now part of our sound booth back there. And uh, But that Lord's Supper table was heavy. We had... They took care of everything. They set up the chairs, the tables. Only thing I had to really get taken care of was our sound system and the platform, which was a huge blessing. And I remember some weeks, if they didn't bring the Lord's Supper table out of my pulpit, I would carry it out there. But then God did something. We were only in there for six months. I rounded this corner, and this church was for sale. Twelve and a half, well, actually, eleven and a half years ago. And... Becky and I looked in here and we said, we'll never be able to get in that building. How can we afford it? We've only been around here for nine months. We don't even have any money. We're broke. And all of a sudden, I kept hearing something say, you can't do it. It won't happen. But then on the other part, I kept hearing, but you can. You will. Let me take control. And so here I am. 35 years old, 36, somewhere around in there, and God's still reminding me that even though people say you can't, that all of the obstacles that you had to face up to the age of 35, that God opened up opportunity for you. And you know what? He's ready to bless us if we'll stay faithful and true to him. So I said to Art and Greg, well, we can't get a bank loan. Can we do a laying contract? So... Uh, Leslie and I sat down and Dave and we all came up with this letter and we sent it to him and the pastor looked at the letter, tossed it aside, says, I don't need to read read this. Put these people in that building. This is where they're supposed to be. It was right then that I remembered. We all have to go through a process. You see, many pastors want to go from zero to five thousand in a month. We're not ready to go from zero to 5,000 in a month. You see, we want to get married and go from having a structured budget to I want to be like my parents, have the house paid off, have the cars paid off, have 15,000 in the bank and so on and so forth. And the list goes on and on and on. But there has to be a process by which each and every one of us have to go through. And I realize now as I look back on my life that in order for me to grow, in order for me to experience what I need to, I have to go through a process. 
And that process sometimes is not easy. Growth is not easy. Sometimes you get some can'ts. Sometimes you don't get so many blessings. You get more burdens than you get blessings. But through that process, if you look at the end result, God is working all things out for your good. Romans 8, 28. And sometimes we don't realize that in our relationships. We, we have to just submit and surrender to that will. And when the, when the church came back to us and said, here's what we're going to do for you, I said, wow, I can't believe it because we can't do it. But God can. I love what the Bible says in Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things, that I can do everything through Christ that gives me strength. And I love the text in 1 Timothy where it says this, Chapter 1, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, that he considered me faithful and appointed me to service. He appointed me to service. When you feel like, I can't be used anymore, what will God do with me? How will he use me? You finally look back over your life, Winter Barbershop, they love that on Facebook. And you look at those moments in your life and you think, wow, some of those are such wonderful moments, running a business and being able to, to have just new growth. Yes, there's hardship that comes with everything. But you look back over and hopefully you can say that in my dark moments and my dark places that I grew. I have two points of this morning's message, but before we go there, let me pray real quick. Father, we love you and we thank you that, Lord, in, in our can'ts, you become the can-do. And Lord, we just thank you that you are Alpha Omega. You are our Redeemer. Father God, that you are there for us to come to, cry out to. Lord, this morning, I don't know who this is for, but Lord, as we're putting through this, we're going through this message series, Lord, help us to all become like a seed, to grow in our capacity, Lord, so that you can produce fruit in our life and the end result that will bloom. And Lord, that people will see you in us. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Thank you, Father God, for anointing our head with oil, allowing our cup to run over. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Point number one, blessings in my brokenness. Blessings in my brokenness. I think sometimes it's difficult for us to realize there's a blessing in my brokenness. You may be in a dark place right now. You went through a breakup and maybe you're hurt or lonely, wondering if you'll ever be happy again. I will tell you, I'm a living witness. And many in this room can testify that if you'll keep moving forward and honoring God, he'll bring somebody into your life that is better than you ever imagined. Someone kinder, friendlier, more loving, who'll treat you like a queen or like a king. The latter part of your life will be better than the first part. God has an exclamation point waiting just for you. Maybe this morning you're dealing with a sickness. You've been told that it just doesn't look good. Stay in faith. Have faith. Be like faith. The exclamation point is coming. You have to claim it. Perhaps you're in a dark place in your finances. You've been in the valley for a long time. Maybe you had a setback and you're wondering, is it ever going to get better? Yes, on the other side of the valley, you're going to find your cup that runs over with increase and with abundance. 
Hebrews 11 says the faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Don't stop believing. Get your fire back because God didn't bring you this far just to leave you. He has an exclamation point coming your way. Breakthrough is on its way. Have you ever looked at your personal life, your relationships, your career, and wonder what has happened and you make the statement, how or why did I get here? You see, people don't determine your destiny. People don't determine your outcome. God does. A bad break can't stop you. Injustice can't stop you. God has the final say, and if you'll go through the dark places with a good attitude and keep doing the right thing, you will come into your exclamation point, and you will see the goodness of God. found out this morning the hardships of suicide at the Perry School system. And I often ask myself the question, why are there so many since November? And I heard this morning there were eight suicides in a school system. How is that possible? Nine? Nine now. How is that possible? We don't know and we can't understand. Only God does. But I hope that in our questions, he'll bring out that exclamation point. And that his message will shine. And the gospel of grace will be preached. And people will be saved because of the hardship that they're going through. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. Many of you know the story, and we're going to read the story this morning, but I, want to, I, I, I saw something in this scripture, and I want to bring it out to you this morning. And I understand for many of you in here that you are or have gone through a dark place in your life. But I want you to just stop for a minute and realize that God has been in control this whole time. He cares for you. And the end is going to be better than the beginning. The end is going to be better than the beginning. And God still is not done writing his story in your life. In verse 15, well, you know what? Let's go back to verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. When the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and break. Now take and circle that where it says break or highlight it. And gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. 
Can you imagine the disciples at that moment? They walked in and says, we can't do, we cannot feed these people. We can't do it. It's impossible. How in the world will we ever be able to feed 5,000 plus people? God, in his sovereignty, gave us his son Jesus, who just fulfilled healing. And he held up that bread, and he blessed it. And I love what it says there. He broke the loaves, and the bread multiplied. Notice the blessing was in the breaking. The more he broke it, the more it multiplied. The more he broke it, the more it multiplied. There are times in our lives when we feel broken. When we have broken dreams, a broken heart. We have loved ones that die and part of us dies with them. Please listen closely. When you feel broken, don't get bitter and don't give up. Don't get bitter and don't give up. The brokenness is not the end. It's a sign that God is about to multiply. So I thought I would look at that scripture and I thought to myself, well, if he can feed the 5,000, then in the midst of us, many of us look at the, everybody always says, do you look at the cup half empty or half full? It's all perspective. And in this story, I never looked at the story as, wait a minute, he broke that bread and in our brokenness, God can then multiply and grow us and teach us through that brokenness how to be better for him. Profound, isn't it? I love what David said in Psalms 4.1. God enlarged me in my time of distress. You see, David didn't get enlarged in the good times. He was increased in the tough times. Remember, the bigger the disappointment, the bigger the blessing. Please don't settle in the valley. Don't get comfortable in the valley. The valley is not your home. The Bible says in Psalms 23 that the shepherd is leading you through the valley. And on the other side is blessings. Interesting, isn't it? That on the other side is blessings. And I know for many of you it's very difficult to think that when you're in the middle of a storm, you're in the middle of the dark place in your life, that you can actually say, there's actually a blessing to be received here. No, you don't realize that. But because God is working out all things for your good, that all of a sudden, you look back and go, now I know why I went through that. Maybe you have a story, a message of hope to share with someone else in the midst of their pain and suffering. But you say, but pastor, I don't want to go through this dark place just to to share a story. I don't want to face death just to share a story. I don't want to have to go through financial ruin just to share a story. And I don't want you either. I mean, my greatest desire is to see you grow and grow and grow and grow. But part of that process means that you've got to grow. Some people don't want to grow, which leads us to point number two. Bringing out the potential and greatness inside of me. Bringing out the potential and the greatness inside of me. Turn with me, if you would, please, to John chapter 12. John 12. And we'll be reading in verse 24. I'm going to talk just a little bit about a seed. How a seed 
will grow. But there's a process in it growing. And I love what it says here in John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. You can have a seed sitting on your desk, but it will never become what it was created to be until you put it in the ground. Its potential will never be released until it is planted. Its potential will never be released until it's been planted. You see, when that seed sits in a bag, or it sits in those little seed bags, or a box, or anything else on your desk, where it is comfortable and it doesn't have to stretch or deal with any adversity, the seed's potential will stay locked up on the inside. Only after it's planted, only after it's planted, and it germinates, and the outer shell breaks off, and the new growth begins, what takes place? It blossoms, and then it bears much fruit. There's John's correlation. You see, but the problem with so many people is that they want fruit, but they don't want to go through the process. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to have to stretch or deal with adversity or opposition or even betrayal. But without the dark place, your potential will stay locked inside. Because a seed cannot germinate in the light. It's a process. If I had to ask a seed, if you like being cold and comfortable and lonely and people walk on top of you, walk over you, stamp you in the ground... What would the seed have to say? But listen closely. The seed must be buried. At the end, the seed must realize that it is not buried, that it is planted. The only change we'll ever make, the only change we'll ever make is when we realize that we, and that that seed, has the life of Almighty God inside it. You see, that's part of the process. Germinates. It grows. Instead of just being one little seed, it grows. Instead of being one little buried seed, it ends up being a beautiful flower blossoming and bearing much fruit. And the outcome is always better than the process. And this morning, all I want you to do is I want you to think differently. I want you to think differently. You're not buried, you're planted. Little kids, they don't say to their mommy and daddy, Mom, you're not going to spank me. Dad, you're not going to discipline me. No. Matter of fact, I'm two years old. And I just want to go out today. I was thinking about going out to eat at Longhorn. And, you know, by the time I get there, I'm going to order some steak and, and eat all this stuff. And um, you look at the little two-year-old and go, go ahead, Junior. Go ahead. Then all of a sudden, the little two-year-old gets outside and realizes, how am I going to get there? There's a process of growth. The two-year-old can't cut the steak. The two-year-old probably can't even eat the steak. There's a process that takes place. 
And when your children do something bad and you discipline them, there's a process that takes place. And you look at them and you say, no, 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 you can't do that. I find it interesting that in churches today, if I as the pastor say something out of love, They're like flash out the door they go. He ain't going to say nothing to me. But I want to ask you a question, church. Don't you want to grow spiritually? Sometimes being put in some of the most uncomfortable situations help us to grow. And it's in that brokenness that we do receive our blessings. It's in that pain. Listen, we can't grow spiritually if we're just stuck up on a shelf. And I think that's the problem with Christians today. We're not growing spiritually because we're not getting planted. And we're not growing so that we can truly bloom and blossom and then bear much fruit. You see, the process of growth is difficult. I always love this season. How many of you, when the snow melted this week, you noticed some of your perennials are starting to peek up out of the ground? I know at my house, they are. And you guys know that I like plant flowers, so maybe you don't have a lot of perennials, but they're already coming up out of the ground. And my first thought was this. When that iris was coming up out of the ground, and I have like 10 or 15 of them, gladiolas and stuff together, I thought... Man, what would it be like? Isn't that cold? And I mean, that's rough to have to get back up through that soil and just get to a place where all of a sudden it blooms. But you know what's amazing about a gladiola or an iris? That you can have this big, huge thing and they all come up and you get one bloom out of it. That's really disheartening for me. That's all I got to tell you. You know, because I would have whacked all the other ones down just to have one bloom. But in reality... We can't just whack it down. We've got to wait till the next season. And who knows, you might have just a garden full of blossoms. If you will allow God to move in your life and to allow you to go through the process of growth, God will change you and revival will take place in your life. Listen, I'm saddened. The process of our Christian growth and life is so difficult. I am. It's heartbreaking. Because I will tell you that that process is not easy. Satan's after you, church. And in that process, either you will say, I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to take the afflictions that come my way. Or you just allow all of a sudden... Your process to shrivel up and die. Don't just be buried. Bloom where you're planted. I looked at the scriptures and I thought in the scriptures, man, it's amazing because even in Job's life, his kids, his business, his life, everything was taken away from him. And then I remembered at the very end that Job even said, God will give you double for your trouble. And that's exactly what happened in Job's life. But he had to go through a process that I really believe that God took him on because it was a process of growth for him. And he could have said as his wife and his friends and everybody else discouraged him, just give up. Don't serve the Lord. It's not worth it. But he took that dark moment of his life and he reflected on it. And because he put his faith and trust in God, God gave him double 
for his trouble. A double portion of everything. Yeah, this morning you're going, ah, it's hogwash. I'm going to tell you this. I'm a man that about seven years ago, maybe even six, then I said, man, I want these bills to be paid off. We started praying about it and claiming it. Somebody wrote out a check and paid off our bills. There's been a lot of suffering. There's been a lot of hardship. There have been a lot of things that have taken place in my life where people will say, just as they told Jesus, I love you, but they betray you. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in your family, in the workplace. It's going to happen everywhere. But we have to stay planted. And we have to bloom where we're planted. And many of us are just buried. So in closing, I say this. Like the seed, your potential is about to be released. You're not only going to come out of the darkness, you're going to come out better, stronger, fully in blossom and bearing much fruit. When you feel as if something is dying and it's dark and you feel the pressure of the dirt, you don't see a way out, that's a sign that something new is about to come to life. New growth. New talents. And new opportunities. And this morning, I'm going to ask Faith if she'll please come. And she's just going to quickly read just a little bit of her journey of what God put her through this past year. When she was faced with a terminal illness called cancer. And I really believe it was in this process that Faith was able to grow. And she can look back on it. And I just want to ask you a question and you have to speak into the mic. Okay, do you feel like you've grown in the Lord just through this process? Yes, absolutely. So this morning I've asked her to come just to kind of share her heart. And uh, I'll let you put your papers right there. And uh, just 12 pages, that's correct. Go right ahead. She's just getting, she goes, this is difficult for me. But remember, we don't go from a seed to blossom overnight. There's a process. And listen what God has done for faith just this year. You see she's getting her hair back. A woman who had hair that was big, bold, and beautiful as she is. And so listen closely as she shares her story. Okay, so this is a very condensed version because Pastor said I only have about 30 minutes. Okay. As most of you, I have had ups and downs in my life. Pretty much the normal everyday stresses. Then came May oh gosh. Then came May seventeenth and a doctor's appointment. I had found a lump. Doctor said four centimeters. He immediately set me up for a test and to see a surgeon. That was a Wednesday. On Sunday when talking to Becky, she said, We are gonna pray that if God doesn't remove it, that he will shrink it. So on May 23rd at 8.30 a.m., I go for all the tests. It is now measuring 3.4 centimeters. But they determined I need a biopsy. And the fear came and the tears fell. At 11, I see the surgeon and he's able to get me in for the biopsy that same afternoon. Then we wait and wait and pray. Then comes Friday, May 26th at 12.32 p.m., the call. Stage 2A breast cancer. 
scared and crying calls have to be made. My kids, my friends, my sister all show up. I remember saying, wow, I should get bad news more often because you all showed up. And I kind of laughed it off. Later that night, thinking about it, I thought, I bet that's how God feels. Everyone shows up when it's bad news and they're in trouble. I started praying that since this is the path I had to take, could it be a short and successful journey? The next few days were crazy with appointments, scans, and tests. I found out that I had triple negative breast cancer, which is a more aggressive, deadly type. Okay, so now I'm really scared, especially after looking it up online, which was not good, and I had to stay off the computer. I also quit telling the triple negative part because it was too scary. But I also found out after the MRI that it now measured 3.3 centimeters. God had already shrunk it 0.7 centimeters. Then I went to get that port. The nurse, after seeing how much stuff was going on, said, You don't understand. This process can take weeks or a few months to get this far. From diagnosis to first treatment, three weeks. God was already answering prayers. Chemo was scary, and losing my hair was devastating. Through it all, I prayed that the meds do only what they were supposed to, and the parts that could harm or damage my body would just flush right out. I cannot say that I had no side effects or that it was easy. I can say that I know it could have been so much worse. Through it, I had to battle my own mind and the thoughts. You're not going to make it. You got the bad one. I was just scared. I had to remind myself God was right there and he never left. I had scriptures written out and posted through my house to remind me of his promises. Got into the word and listened to praise and worship music. I came to realize I was growing. I mean, I came to church. I read my Bible. I sang praise and worship songs. Not good, but I did. It was so much different after May 23rd. It was more intense and more desperate. I also came to see that some of the prayers I had been praying for months before May were being answered. Who knew cancer could be part of answered prayers? Crazy, right? But that's God. The chemo is now over. I go to see the doctor. Lump cannot be found. MRI done. What was there is no longer there and no visible signs of cancer. Thank you, God. My oncologist almost looks surprised and relieved as he keeps telling me that that is a really, really good result. November 3rd, I have surgery. Results came November 10th, lymph nodes negative, and no residual cancer. Again, tears fell, but this time of relief. After talking to my doctors, I had what is called a pathologic complete response, which is excellent for triple negative breast cancer. My oncologist told me that as of November 3rd, I was cancer-free and I could enjoy Thanksgiving, Christmas, and every holiday thereafter. My hair is growing back, and as of today, I am two-thirds done with my radiation treatment. Again, praying it does only what it's supposed to do and no other side effects or damages. So far, no skin issues and very little fatigue. 
God has been really good to me. Through this journey, I can say I have leaned on and trusted God like never before. One of my prayers was to be closer to God. Another answered prayer. I have reevaluated what is important and now take time to appreciate the smallest of things. I hear the birds sing. So remember when I prayed for a short, successful journey? From the day I was told I had cancer to the day I was told I am cancer-free. Five months and eight days. Thank you, God, for this journey. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Faith. See, there's always a process in growth, isn't it? And we don't know why or, or how or what that journey is. But I want you to listen to me. This morning, my challenge for you is to be willing to go through the process. Faith didn't want to go through the process, but she was willing to go through the process. Too many people get bitter. They lose their passion and get stuck with the unanswered question, Why is this happening? I thought God was for me. Trust Him. He knows what He's doing. I know for some, it's uncomfortable. And for some, you might say, there may be dirt all around you. But I want you to know that that dirt is not there to stop you. That dirt is not there to stop you. It's there to bring you out. And it's there to bring out the greatness that's inside of you. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. If you will go through the dark places with a good attitude... God is going to take your question marks and turn them into exclamation points. For every valley you go through, you will find a table that's already set for you. A fresh anointing. And you'll increase to where your cup runs over. Church, you're not buried. You're planted. Bloom where you're planted. And it's just a matter of time before you break out and blossom into who you were created to be. Let's all stand. As we go to the Lord in prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know what brought you here this morning or what you're going through, but I know this, that it was not by accident. For Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So I want you to rejoice in your dark place. In those moments where it's been not so enjoyable. Bloom where you're planted. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I just pray that this morning, if there's someone here that's broken, Lord, they came to a place to realize that in their process, Lord, you see the potential within them. And Lord, you know the potential that they have. So, Father, may they just realize in their own heart and in their soul that to not look at it as a negative, but to rejoice. For Father, you're in control. For, you're, for we are 
your children. So, Father, we just call upon you today. Lord, help us to bloom where we're planted. Lord, help us to realize that not everything is a curse, but a blessing. And Father, I want to thank you today that you have been in control of everything. So, Father, we rejoice and we thank you, Lord, for the growth in our own personal lives and our own personal walks. May you be praised. Father, if someone here today does not know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus. Father, be with those that are out of town and that are sick. Father, uplift them today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Remain